after further reveal. Yo, what's up, everyone? Let's get it right here. Episode 22 of After Further Review. Another summer edition right back at you. We're getting these up every week. We're grinding them out, and we're pumped to get back onto the show with y'all, y'all, tonight. We got some opening trivia. You already know. We're going to talk about our – we're going to recap our baseball picks, talk about who we got in left field and coming out of the mound, the ninth inning closeout games, talk a little bit of MLB draft and MLB All-Stars, Got a little hockey segment for you this week brought to you by yours truly, Chase. And obviously, we have to touch on the UFC because there's a big stretch coming up. I know you guys are hype about. But before we start the show, we have to give a shout out to our boy, Chase. (laughs) One year, his anniversary for one year being in business, painting by Chase. Look him up on the gram. He's out there. He can paint anything you need him to do. Yeah, he's painted our house if you haven't used him before use them yeah congrats chase on your one year anniversary of your own business yeah thank you guys really appreciate it it's been awesome it was weird because i feel like leading into it it was hard to believe that it's already been a year so really happy with it and i can't wait to see where this next year goes yeah and to take that dive in your own business is always a little scary so to get one year in and get your feet you know feet wet it's got to be a good feeling yeah yeah Yeah, this side podcast is like something we do for fun and we enjoy our listeners, but what you're doing is incredible, man. And keep it up. Year two will definitely be better than year one. I, I know it. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. I actually have a job for you, but we'll talk later. <laughs> All right. Yeah. If you're interested, you can look me up on Instagram, reach me through that way. But uh, yeah, let's get your painting projects done. All right. Well, on that note, Chase, lead us off with some trivia. Let's get it. Yeah. Here we go, guys. I guess an MLB player edition. Question number one, I'm a former MLB second baseman known for my power hitting and speed on the bases. I played for several teams during my career, including the Minnesota Twins, LA Dodgers, and the Washington Nationals. Howie Kendrick. No, good guess though. That was a really good guess. Great guess. I played college baseball at the University of Southern Mississippi before being drafted by the Twins in 2009. So I made my MLB debut with the Minnesota Twins in 2012. And in my first season in 2013, I hit 18 home runs and stole, and stole 14 bases. Trevor Plouffe. No. No, it's not a guess, but. Hurry, Chase, give me another hint before Ben gets it. In 2016, I set the MLB record for most home runs in a season by a second baseman. And I Brian hit Dozier. 42 home runs. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you were just rattling them off. All that second baseman research I did last week, and I was coming up empty. That yeah, was a sneaky that. name. That was a sneaky name. He had a really good stretch. Speaking of second baseman, Daniel Murphy's making a comeback. I just yeah. saw he's in the, he's in the like, AAA with the Angels. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the heck? I meant to bring that up as my notable random guy servicing. Like, uh, you know how we have Tehran with the Brewers, yeah. but yeah, Daniel Murphy's back. Yeah, I was like, does, does my pick? I was like, what the heck? We just keep we just keep making guys relevant again. Tehran yeah. to chase, and now Ben with Daniel yeah, Murphy. And now all of a sudden the Angels had all these like injuries, and now Murphy probably has a chance to come up at some point. Is he still playing second? I think so. I mean, he's not a great fielder probably at this point, but they could use his bat with Trout out again. But yeah, that was a that was a good one. Brian Dozier, not a name I've heard in a mile. 
Oh. Yeah, no. I know him and I remember him. Just yeah. I would not have guessed him. That was a good one, Chase. Yeah, thanks, yeah. guys. So just to recap for our MLB <laughs> after further review starting lineup, um, we had two more last week and the results are in. So if you haven't checked out our Instagram, do so, AFR Show Pod. Um, and for center field, Kirby Puckett got the dub and is our center fielder. And second base, we had Nelly Fox. Uh, the diamond right now, we got Randy Johnson at the starting pitching. Mike Piazza behind the plate. Chad Bradford is our reliever. Miggy, first base. Nelly Fox at second base. Kirby Puckett in center field. And then today, we're going to find out who we each picked for left field and closing pitcher. And don't forget to vote on Instagram. And we're going to have the poll on Spotify, too. So people who don't have Instagram, now you guys can vote, too. Yeah, yeah. make sure you check out Spotify when you're listening. The polls will drop after the show's posted but i just have to say i'm really happy that kirby puckett um won center field i know it wasn't my pick but that was, that was a really cool segment about him last week and i dove a little bit more into him and just just a cool cool story and an unfortunate ending to it but i got was good and yeah. i like that pick man yeah i just like to say i realized we never we never even talked about Ken Griffey. <laughs> I feel like we should have at least mentioned oh. his name for center field. Uh, obviously, again, this is not the all-time. Doesn't have to be the best ever, but you know he's he's you know in that conversation. Obviously, one of the best ever. Yes, obviously. So so good. We never even brought him up. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Well, we uh, we get started here. Why don't we get right into it? Yeah. So this week we got starting left fielders and. Finally, I think we're done with pitchers after this one, our yep. closing pitchers. So you get a starter, you get your seventh and eighth inning guy, and you get your closers. Yeah, we went, uh, we went, decided no for the three inning save guy. So we're just going to go closer. Would have been good, though. Yeah, <laughs> we got a few to choose from. So, all right. Well, let's, um, why don't we go with closer? I feel like everyone's expecting us to go left field. Okay. Let's go with closer first. I was expecting us to go left field first. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Closer wise, I I just have a weird feeling that two of us are gonna match. We haven't had it yet happen yet on AFR, but I have a weird feeling at some point someone has to match, and I feel like it's just gonna be it. So if anyone matches, just so everyone's aware, two matches that automatically is is in the starting lineup. Yeah, automatic AFR all timer right yeah. there because we do not talk about picks pre show. So this is yes. this happens live. Yeah. On that note, you guys want me to start? Yeah, if you want to start. You want it? I'll go for it. Yeah, I'll you go, go for it. it. You go for All it. All right, so this was a tough one. Between two, I'm not going to say the other name because I feel like Ryan or someone could have picked him, but I'll say it after if no one did. This pitcher had a short career as a closer, but was dominant when he was one. And that guy's name was Eric Gagne. The rest of the nation might not be thrilled about it, but this would be awesome. Is Juris. And the Dodgers have earned a split of the first two games of the series. Gagne with his 84th consecutive save. The victory goes to Sanchez, the loss to Cologne, the final score. The Dodgers 8, the Angels 5. Oh, okay. I like that. So Eric Gagne, 30th round of the 1994 MLB draft, won a Cy Young as a closer. And he was a three-time All-Star, two-time reliever of the year. And it's 2002 to 2004 was probably like the greatest streak of a closer ever 
Um, he had 87 consecutive saves, which is still an all-time record. Had an 187 career saves in his career. And he had a 91.7% conversion rate, which is still the highest ever. He just battled injuries. But when he was the closer for those teams, he was dominant. And I just remember just him on those him on those Dodgers teams. And he started as a starter, then became the closer, and then just battled injury. Did win a chip in 2007, though. And yeah, not, not much else to say about him, but just a dominant guy, not a Hall of Famer, dominant guy with a really short peak. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. How many career saves? 187. That's crazy you said that because I was going to actually make a point. My my guy has more than that. But when I was looking this up, there's a lot of great closers that weren't great numbers-wise in total saves. Like you were, They were dominant in their own ways. And Gagne yeah. was one guy I looked up, and I, I like that pick because he's short window, but – that, he was so oh. good. He was so good during the, the 2002, 2004, like three years of just utter dominance. And then after that, it was just, yeah. 80, how many straight? 87 consecutive. That's Dang. insane. Yeah. That's insane. Because there's definitely situations where it's just a one-run game and you're facing like the meat of the order. So I think for, I think it was the year he won Cy Young, I believe. I think he was perfect. That's cool. I like it. All right. All right. I'll go next. Um, did not go with Gagne, although I, I like that pick a lot. I went with actually another guy that's still currently playing. The second guy went with JT earlier um, as catcher. But here for closer, I went with all-time great Araldis Chapman. Oh. <laughs> Eighth pitch it is at bat for Goldschmidt. Struck him out of the fastball at 103 miles per hour. Just traded to the Rangers, going to try to make a run for a second championship. Last time he got traded midseason was to the Cubbies, and he helped them win that 2016 World Series, which was – that was a really cool one to witness. But, yeah, Rodas Chapman started on the Reds in 2010, still pitching today. Career numbers to date, 2.47 ERA, 1.07 whip, and only 317 saves. And I know it's a lot – more than Ben's Gagne, but I still, I was looking up guys like Houston Street, you know, Fernando Rodney, Rodas Chapman has less saves than both of them, but he's just pure dominance. And the thing that makes him so great, as we all know, it's his fastball. And he has over a thousand Ks right now, um, but he holds the MLB record for fastest thrown pitch ever, technically, right? Because the Nolan Ryan one, they weren't sure if that, if that radar gun was as accurate as Aroldis Chapman's 105.8 mile per hour fastball, which is just pure heat, consistently can throw over 100, seven-time All-Star, and he also holds the MLB record for most consecutive relief appearances with a strikeout, which is 49. Oh, dang. I did not know that. Yeah, I thought that was a, that was a pretty cool stat. But, yeah, I mean – I feel like he should have had more. He was on a bunch of those red teams that weren't that good, but he played a lot of years on the Yankees, I guess, up and down with some injuries. But he does have eight. Some off-the-field issues. Yeah, some off-the-field issues as well. But he does have eight seasons of 30-plus saves. So pretty impressive. That's my guy, Ross Chapman. That was a great pick. Yeah. I didn't realize his ERA was – that's a like a better career ERA than I thought, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, relievers are harder sometimes because, you know, you only yeah. come in for an inning. I was surprised to see him under three. Yeah. I did not think that. 
All right, that's Chase. awesome. All right, so my pick. Uh, well, let's see. You guys have been, like two Lamborghinis, and I'm pulling up in a pickup truck with my pick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's like played a long career, a 20 year career. The man I'm talking about is Tom Flash Gordon. was a starter for a decent portion of his early career and then was converted to a reliever by the Red Sox like in the about the middle of his career and uh was dominant had 43 saves in a row won the rolling man uh relief award uh that year and led the league in saves so really dominant that year um like I said he pitched for 21 years officially but basically 20 uh so good long career was productive in a lot of that uh was a Philly for a two year stint so that's where I really got to get to know him and appreciate his work and get you know just be a part of him and then kind of realize he has two sons in the league you know not too long after he's already gone so you know pretty impressive lineage there and a good baseball guy and I'll give you some more of his stats he was a three-time all-star and he was the relief man award and he led the league in saves career-wise he has a 396 era he has 158 saves in his career so not a whole lot definitely less than both of yours okay yeah so didn't reach 200 but like i said he was a starter for like the first half of his career with kansas city before he went to boston so probably in that time would have had a lot more saves if he was able to be in the bullpen but still pretty dominant and when he was 30 years old in 2006 with the Phillies, he had 34 saves. So he was putting in the work that year. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I I remember Flash Gordon watching him growing up. He was he was fun guy to watch. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't picture that as he. Well, do you know what his career war was, Chase? His career war was 35. So it's a lot know. more than Eric Gagne. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, so that's not like you're not pulling up in a pickup. No, I was just meaning like utility wise, like oh. he did. He was a starter and he was there for a long time. Yeah. You know, Gagne didn't even have like a 15 war. So, oh wow, that's pretty crazy. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. But yeah, Tom Flash Gordon, and also all time great MLB nick- nickname Flash. Yeah, uh, he was a relief pitcher. Yeah, for a while too. That's that's a good pick. I like that. Yeah, I just have to say real quick, all those years living with our friend Hef, who's obsessed with the Marvel or the DC character Flash, excuse my um, comic strip um, stumble there. We should have we should have shown him some Flash Gordon highlights. I feel like he would have become a real Flash fan real quick. Oh, for sure. Certainly. The, my other choice, which I don't want to say in case anyone picked him, was Joe Nathan. But he had a Joe lot of Nathan. saves. Yeah, so that was the other guy I was looking at. So, that was a good yeah. name. So just to Joe recap, dog Nathan. yeah, Joey Chestnut with another dub. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just to recap the closers, we have Tom Gordon, Tom Flash Gordon. It feels weird to say Tom Gordon. Aroldis Chapman and Eric Gagne, two of which don't even have 200 saves. <laughs> yeah, that's it's crazy. When I pulled up with my 317, I thought for sure I was going to be at the bottom of the pile. <laughs> 
By the way, it was really hard for me not to pick Raleigh Fingers now that we know he's the has the most all time three inning saves. Well, plus he was like a he's like one of the best closers ever. Too. Yeah, he's a legendary closer, but and he's got the funny same thing. It just still blows my mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's wild. I did not think my three seventeen was gonna catch the dub out of total save quantity, but yeah, yeah Raleigh Fingers, his mustache and everything, he was definitely. I thought he was going to be an AFR pick just for his fan uh, favorite on the show. Yeah. Chase, I thought you might have picked him, actually. No, he was penciled in, and then I was like, I can't. I want to, but I'm not going to do it based off three inning saves. I, I like, wanted to pick, like, like Armando Benitez or Jonathan Broxton, but I didn't do it. Oh. Yeah, there was yeah, a lot was... of – yeah, there was a lot of choices. And mm-hmm. Mario yeah. Rivera, obviously, which he's overrated. I'm glad no one picked him. Yeah, I actually I mean, agree. Was, that's a take we have the same as. I agree, he's overrated. Yeah. I would say, out of all the closers I looked at, a majority of them had under 200 saves. Like Kimbrel at this point, he's probably got to be. Oh, yeah, he's up there. Yeah, up there. he's probably I 400, think, I think. He's probably top 10 all yeah, time. Yeah, I think he's top point. 10 yeah. all time. Um, yeah. But like, you don't, it's not as regular yeah. at this point. And you know what's crazy talking about that? Jonathan Pavelbon wasn't on the Phillies for a long time, and he's their all time. Le- uh, leader in saves in the history of the Phillies. That is crazy. And I didn't wasn't realize even... that. That is. I didn't realize K Rod. By the way, is fourth all time. I didn't think that either. Sure. Yeah, Kenley Jansen and Craig Krimble both over four hundred, both in the top ten, both still playing. So. And Billy Wagner at six, which he, based on the way he's trending, there's a really good chance he's going to get in the Hall of Fame in the next like five years. He's been trending pretty upwards. Damn. So. Yo, the Phillies end up with all these money closers. I know, bad. but they had half of them when they're terrible. Like they had <laughs> Mets have four, garbage. five, and six. <laughs> K-Rod, John Franco, and Billy Wagner. Although Billy Wagner was with Phillies and the Mets. Yeah, but I would say definitely more dominant with the Mets. Dang. Well, closers is a fun, fun topic. This I can. You know what else? A rabbit hole. You know what else is a fun topic? What are all-time left fielders? Oh boy, here we go. All right. Well, there is no way in the history of left fielders that either of you guys could guess who I picked. Well, I went with one of the best players of all time who played in the 19th century. I went with my boy, Big Ed, Ed Delahanty. The eldest of five brothers who reached the major leagues, Ed Delahanty was a powerful slugger in an era of place hitters. He connected for four home runs in one game on July 13th, 1896, but was not merely a long ball threat. He went six for six in a game on two separate occasions, and exactly one year after his home run barrage, batted nine for nine in a double header. His career average of 346, strengthened by a pair of 400 seasons, ranks among the game's best. Delahanty was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1940. All right. I okay. respect it. <laughs> you guys know the name? I'm familiar with the Sports Center Top 10 highlights, but. No, oh, he played from 1888 Damn, to give me a clip of him. It's gonna be rough. No sound, just motion pictures. <laughs> him just rounding the bases. You're like, this could be legitimately any person. Bill Crandall was tough enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, Ed Ed Dale Hanty played from 1888 to 1903. Philadelphia Quakers, Cleveland Infants the Philadelphia Phillies, and then a little bit on the Washington Senators at the end of his career. Career batting average of 346, career war of 69.6, 
almost 2,600 hits. He led the league in homers twice, RBIs three times, and batting average twice. And he was the first player in MLB history to hit over 400 three times. So damn. Pretty- not not that there's a lot of pre him playing, but it's pretty cool stat. He um some other cool stats I just found out from him. I know it was a different game back then, but he went six for six in a game two different times, and one time in a doubleheader he went nine for nine. He also was the first ever player to hit four home runs in a game and four doubles in a different game. And the crazy part about the four home runs in a game were two of them were inside the park. So I don't know if if there was errors or not, but that, that was a pretty wild stat. I was like, two of them were inside the park. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Adele Handy inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1945, and his career was also cut short. Um, he had a tragic um, incident when he was 35 years old. Um, a year or two before his wife became ill and um, they didn't make as much money back then. So I think he turned to drinking and gambling a little bit. It's kind of, it's kind of a sad story for him. And actually he wanted to team hop to make more money and they shut it down. So he kind of got hosed in a few different spots. And when he was kicked off a train, I don't know if he had been drinking or not on that. He kicked off near the international railway bridge, which is the bridge that crosses the Niagara falls. He, the story is that he fell off it. I'm not sure if oh my gosh. what the story is behind that, but he tragically passed away at the age of 35 and he was still playing at a very high caliber caliber level, but still a Hall of Famer and a legend, a Philly legend in my eyes. And yeah, that's my left fielder at Delahanty. How did how did you find him? Is my question. I I've I've honestly never heard of him and I'm I'm excited that you brought him up because I've never heard of him before. Okay, so I think 10 years ago, I'm going to say I had a high school buddy go to the go to the um, Cooperstown, the Baseball Hall of Fame, and he had sent me a pic of this guy. He's like, oh, Philly legend I've never heard of. And I was like, what the heck? And I just did a bunch of research on this guy like 10 years ago, and he's forever just been in my head as a legend. Another cool fact was he's the oldest of five and his family moved here. They were um, Irish immigrants, right. but they had five sons, and all five of them played in the MLB. So just Man. a straight athletic family. But he was by far the best one. And, yeah, I mean, just a tank. If, like, I mean, not that we know a bunch of pitchers from that era, but they all, they all said that he was, like, the hardest guy to face. They couldn't figure him out. He was like good enough to drop in balls in front of the outfielders. And then if they played short, he would just crank them over for doubles. That's I'm hype. You brought him up. I've never heard of him. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Let's see. I can you find an Ed Delahanty car, Ben? Do you have one? I can try to find one. It's not going to probably be super cheap. Considering I'm definitely going to have to make this profile for him. Might be hard to get a split scouting report on him. If there are any 1800s players on MLB the show, he's got to be one of them. He's literally known as one of the best all time from the 1800s. I'm just, yeah. just kind of salty myself that I didn't know about it. Because <laughs> like now I'm looking at his baseball reference page and it's like, dang, that's pretty crazy. Did dang, you, I knew wow. a baseball Did you know player. about him, Chase? No, I actually came across his name today when I was looking over left fielders, okay. but I, don't, I never knew anything about him. Dang. 
That's hype. That has yeah. to be the one and only baseball player ever that I know that you guys don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the older ones, it's like, there's definitely people I should probably know about, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, Ed Delahanty, thanks for the, uh, <laughs> yeah, fact, the facts about him, Ryan. Dang. Yeah, I was, I was excited about that one. That was my, I had him penciled in as soon as we decided we were doing this all time starting nine. I immediately put him into my left field spot. <laughs> Once it gets Damn. out. I would have never, yeah. No, neither would I. I know it's a completely different game back then, but someone had to dominate those times, yeah. and it was him. I like it. So I went with another guy who has an all-time nickname as a left fielder, and he actually spent half of his career not even playing in the MLB, living in a different country, and came over here and spent the last half of his career here and was still that dominant. The player I'm talking about is Hideki Godzilla Matsui. Oh. It'll be a 3 out of Matsui. The pitch swung on. Hit in the air to deep center. The air back. Away back in deep center. It is gone. Godzilla. A thriller by Godzilla. Hideki Matsui. The sayonara kid just lost one over the center field fence. A three-run home run. And the Yankees take a three-nothing lead. Yeah, one of my favorite players growing up. Kind of forgot about him. And then when I was going through the list, I was like, he's my guy. He has to be my guy. And, uh, yeah, so he spent his first half of his career in Japan playing with the Yomiuri Giants. Solid name. Shout out to the Giants. Don't know how they're doing this year, but yeah, but he started off his career there and he was raking. He hit over 40 home runs twice, 30 home runs three times or four times actually. And his last year, he hit 50 home runs before he came over to the Yankees. And he was 29 years old when he came over and narrowly lost out on the rookie of the year awards and people wouldn't give it to him because he was 29 years old. So they're kind of salty about the fact he was considered a rookie, even though he's 29, basically a proven player, even though he wasn't playing in the MLB, but still probably could have won it based off his, st- like his statistics that year. Overall, he played 20, 20 professional seasons, like I said, 10 in the majors and 10 overseas, an unbelievable power hitter. His numbers might be a little inflated because he, he was playing in Yankee Stadium. Obviously, with an advantage, but still, nonetheless, during the World Series against the Phillies, he was destroying them, hit over 600 during that series. Um, just really was a problem for any type of pitching that would come in and just added a lot to an already stacked Yankees lineup that had future Hall of Famers in it. Um, just another guy who was there that you had to respect because he wasn't like a, uh, you know, it's not like he grew up and was like, oh, I'm going to pick the Yankees because it's like, that's it. Like, he was already proven and decided to come over. But, yeah, that's my guy, Hideki Matsui. I like that. You know, it's funny you said him because I, not to bring up Jolly Olive again from the Kenny Lofton last week, but he had another video about Hideki Matsui like a year <laughs> ago that just talked about how, like, how much of a monster in the playoffs Hideki Matsui was and, like, like he was a World Series MVP when they won the World Series. Like he just he was so good for that play, like that team in the playoffs, and was so good in the playoffs. Yeah, overall he was a nine-time All Star, three-time Japan Series champion, three-time Central League MVP, Japan Series MVP, eight-time Best Nine Award, uh, a Mat- Matsutaro Shoriki Award, and that was all in the MVP. 
and the MLB is a two-time All-Star, World Series champ, and a World Series MVP. And uh, he got into the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame in 2018 with a 91% vote. He was also the youngest ever to make it into the Japanese Man. Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I'm definitely not giving complete credit to his career. You definitely have to look him up and just watch some of his highlights. But, yeah, a dominant yeah. player, maybe a little bit forgotten about in this like in this era right now, but one of the most dominant play, you know, hitters. Yeah, when he's when you don't have as big of a career in the MLB, but he did what he did, and then he still did it in the Japanese league. Like if you combine it all, he was he was really good. Yeah, he was but solid. Yeah, and I missed that chase at the end. Is he gonna be in the MLB Hall of Fame, or is his career not long enough? I I don't know. I mean, I can give you a comparison of what he did in the Japanese league versus here. The, over there, he hit a 304, 332 home runs, and 889 RBIs. Here, he hit 282, 175 home runs, and 760 RBIs. So, okay, he probably know. won't be. Just, it's just more he wasn't here long enough. That's really all. But yeah, I don't know if they yeah. count stats from other leagues. I don't, I don't know how that works. They do. I don't think they do. But I mean, he's still. Yeah. I mean, in total, he's a Hall of Fame player. Yes, yes. And total like, yeah, no doubt. No, that's cool. I, I remember him on the tail end of his career when he was like ancient. Which yeah. I guess when you come over when you're 29, that's why. But yeah, he was a really cool player to watch. And I mean, I never like rooting for the Yankees, but some of those guys, those stories that he spent 10 years in the Japanese league just raking. And he's like, Oh yeah, just so people really know how good I am, I'm gonna come over here and real quick win a world series and get mvp on a powerhouse team like the yankees were loaded and he got mvp so that yeah. says something yeah yeah i went all nicknames these two picks you can like tell. all right well my left field pick um it's he's probably the goat and i i had to choose him because i i just feel like he is the goat that guy is barry bonds deals and bonds Um, he played his whole career as a left fielder. You know, Ryan Salty over here. No, I'm not, no, I'm not salty. Three out of the four on that poster, by the way. You've, Only one is Ken Griffey. You've picked three out of, or two of them center fielders? No. Barry Bonds, left field, Piazza, yeah. and then Puckett. What's Griffey? Center field. So you so you picked three out of four of you guys on your poster, yeah. and you couldn't pick the fourth. <laughs> yeah. I want to pick Griffey anyway. Second, I there's a lot of controversy around Barry Bonds, and I just think he's still, even with all his accolades, he's still underappreciated. Um, so he's a second-round pick in 1982. He is a 14-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover, 12-time Silver Slugger, two-time batting title, and seven, seven-time MVP, which is still the most ever. So a couple of crazy stats with Barry Bonds. He's had five seasons where he had a 400 on-base percentage in two-strike counts. Dang. which is ridiculous he has 102 games with a home run and a stolen base in his career which is the most in history from 2001 to 2004 he was worth 47.3 war which is more than five total teams offenses during that time in 2004 barry bonds had more home runs and strikeouts 
Um, these stats are ridiculous. He's an all-time career leader in home runs, walks, and intentional base on balls. He had 11 years of a 440 on base percentage or better, four years of an, a 500 on base percentage or better, and then one year where he was over 600 on base percentage. My gosh. The other thing is from 1990 to 1998, which is what I want to talk about a little bit because that steroid thing, he took steroids, but generally it's considered that 1998 and after is when steroids happened with him and with other guys from that era. So from 1990 to 1998, essentially when he would have started taking steroids afterwards, he averaged 36 home runs and 36 stolen bases a year. And during that time, so up to 1998, his career, he had a 90.7 war, which is higher than guys like higher than guys career, like Ken Griffey Jr., Mike Trout, Johnny Bench, Nolan Ryan, Bob Gibson, among tons of others. It's already higher than their entire careers, let alone he had 162.8, which is the most ever of all time. Um, and I just think he's a GOAT, and it's a shame that he's not in the Hall of Fame. But his, you can just go with like countless crazy Barry Bond stats. I mean, Buck Showalter walking him with the bases loaded to walk in a run. So yeah, it's a, it's kind of like a homer pick because it is one of the goats, and we're trying not to do that. But I had to, I had to go with Bonds. Dang, solid pick. We know who's winning a home run derby between these three. You <laughs> can't even create Barry Bonds because he doesn't. He's not in any of the player association stuff. You'd have to create. Yeah, him. I'd have to make him. He's gonna have a yeah. ninety-nine overall in four categories. They used to have an MVP baseball. They used to have John Dowd. <laughs> I. Joe, the stats are ridiculous. Two things that I, because he's just known for his home runs, right? I did not realize how much he stole bases. Was he that fast? Yeah. Or yeah, that's the biggest thing with like the steroids. You can like before he there is a, like a, you can see a difference between when he took steroids and when he didn't. Like he just got bigger, and he yeah, was, looks like Barry Bonds' kid, and then Barry Bonds' dad. Yeah, and like two portions was, of his career. <laughs> But that's like the argument. He was so good before he even took steroids. Like he was, he was better than like all time greats as far as like career, like career. Th- he already won, he had already won three MVPs. Like it's not like he had won three MVPs before 1998. Like it's not like he didn't. Yeah. Well, and I know um, we always go back and forth, but okay. So I'm going to ask you the question I always ask you then yeah. why did he take the steroids if he was already raking? I mean, I think it's something at that point where, he wasn't the only one and he had a dry, he was, he's not a, he's kind of a cocky guy and he's trying to get, trying to be the best. He's not, okay. he wasn't ever a well-liked guy. Like in general, he had a lot of issues yeah. with the coaches. Yeah, he won from 19, 1990, 1993, those four years, he won three MVPs. I just, so why was it just like a growing up icon for you? Because usually players like this, like you hate Tom Brady. I Why do you used to not like Barry Bonds, but because of the disrespect he got and just appreciating appreciating his numbers and how crazy they are. I mean, you, how big of a deal did everyone make Aaron Judge's season last year? And his season wasn't even like a top five season of Barry Bonds. Like it just the number the numbers he did, like what he did is probably never going to be replicated again. And that's why it just so crazy to me yeah i mean he a lot i feel like a lot of times goats can be players that people lean away from like you know they a lot of them get a lot of hate 
but his hate, he's a controversial goat. That's what I mean. So his hate, there's more like people hate LeBron. He's also not a he doesn't have a very likable personality. Well, and that's the, mm-hmm. so he's not a likable personality, and he cheated. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people cheated, but he did cheat. So it's just crazy to me that you like him this. Much. I guess if you're that big of a baseball fan, it's hard to get around it. I, I just really appreciate what he did it's just it's a lot some of the things are so mind-boggling like his left-handed just power swing just is kind of iconic and just hitting those balls deep into mccovey cove and people jumping off their kayaks trying to get the ball like oh yeah i his swing is something sweet and i i mean you're right i definitely undervalue or underappreciate him because of the steroids and his well-being as i do with guys like brady and stuff but him it's just real it's harder for him because of his personality and the fact that he did the steroids but i mean i'm not going to really argue with you who the goat is because mlb is even crazier than and i i couldn't probably come up with a guy because of how dominant he was but i'm just not a fan but it's it's a good pick no and i get that and that's not i he's not for everyone and i just I'm I'm a stats guy. I like my stats. And looking at like Barry Bonds baseball reference page is just it's just euphoria. What's even crazier is so I told you guys that Ed Delahanty led the league in home runs twice. Mm-hmm. One of the years he led the league with 19, and the other year he led the league with 13. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. He only had a career of like a hundred and some homers. You no, know, Bonds only led it twice, too. So our guys are basically <laughs> saying he only yeah he only led the league in home runs twice in his career. Dang, it's just that is that's crazy. just a perspective for baseball. From I mean, it's a hundred year difference, but it's yeah. crazy how the times change. I also wonder too about the steroid thing. If baseball knew and they just let it go because of how much attention it was drawing to the sport at the time, and that's the thing. Like baseball was dying before the McGuire Sosa stuff like that that revitalized baseball whether people want to say it or not the mcguire sosa home run duel like that brought baseball back (laughs) right yeah so i wouldn't be surprised if baseball was like oh maybe we just won't test or look and also just saying how barry bonds is 35th all time in stolen bases ahead of guys like ichiro jimmy rollins carl crawford so he's got a lot of stolen bases. Yeah, yeah that part I appreciate because I had no idea. But yeah, Chase, I think you're to touch on your point. I think you're they, right. They probably knew. I mean, they, there's a good argument that they yeah. knew. it it helped their product. Why would they do anything? And then when they're yeah, yeah, just That's let why. the let the fallout happen afterwards. Like, well, who do they care? Like, whatever happens to them happens. They're still baseball. And that's where it's weird because you got guys like Bonds, Clemens. They got caught. They're toast. I mean, maybe someday that one of those committees will elect them in. Like they got a, they were up for it again this past year. They didn't get any votes. Fred McGriff got in. You have guys like Jeff Bagwell. I mean, Mike Piazza, hell, could have done it. I, I hope not, but he could have. But like power hitting guys in that era, like there a lot of them. There's a good chance they did it. And A Rod, mm-hmm. same thing. I mean, you look at his numbers, and they are absurd. Um, and he, you know, he was absurd yeah. before them too. I mean, you still have to hit the ball, too. So it's yeah. like, that's why I'm like, I mean, you can cheat, but you also still have to hit the ball. Because I know a lot of players, I've watched a lot of players who can't hit for anything. 
I'm like, and they can it, be taking all the steroids and, and they still suck. Are, yeah, and pitchers are using them too. It's not yeah. like it's just hitters. Like, it's not like non-steroids against steroids. It's yeah, pitchers on steroids against hitters. <laughs> like, it's, I know, they it's, make it seem like the pitchers were like, <laughs> yo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's not going to end. The debate's never going to end and we don't have to, That's uh, that could be a whole other topic someday, yeah. but. That's my guy. So just to just to recap, we had uh, Barry Bonds, Hideki Matsui, and Ed Delahanty. Ed Delahanty. I like Ed it. Ed Sweet Delahanty. Do they have a lot nicknames? of different generations? Do they have any like cool nicknames, Ed Delahanty, or no? Uh, just Big Ed. Big Ed. That's Big it. Ed. So I had Lil Nell last week from the fifties and Big Ed from the eighteen nineties. <laughs> yeah, Big and Lil. I'm just imagining Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve on your yeah. boss. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only hits 13 home runs, but he's our big guy. Yep. <laughs> it's nuts. All right, guys. So next week, we're going to do third base and designated hitter. So look out for that. And don't forget to vote on this week's. And, yeah, we're going to keep this train rolling. We got four left, and we're excited to complete these teams and get them playing each other. This has been a lot of fun, but we also have some other stuff we want to touch on and Ben, I didn't know if you wanted to lead the train. MLB draft, MLB All Star, both happened and are about to happen, and uh, a lot that has transpired this year in the MLB 2023 season so far. Yeah, MLB drafts coming up. Um, we won't have to talk too much about it. It's hard to kind of the draft and MLB is so much deeper than other guys, other sports, and you don't really see them for a while. Um, the most notable one, I think, Dylan Cruz up up at the top. He's been like someone who's been scouted since high school and probably would have been a top pick if it wasn't for COVID with high school. And I think scouts kind of lip, get being limited to seeing you're seeing that a lot more with like more college guys in the draft because scouts didn't get a chance to see these high school kids during COVID or like didn't get the extended looks. So he's one of the guys at the top and this is supposed to be one of the deepest drafts um, in a while. So It'll be exciting to see. I know my Mets don't really have a pick until late first round, but um, yeah, it's always fun to kind of follow that and see see where they go and um, see if some slide. How many rounds are in the MLB draft again? Twenty. Sorry, twenty. They they've they've yeah, it used to be like forty, like a couple of years ago. Yeah, they they've really shrunk it a bit. They've really shrunk it twenty rounds. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah there's so you know how many like minor league teams each team has to like there's a lot of the NBA has two. Yeah, but each MLB team has like four yeah. five minor league teams. That's true. <laughs> Plus you're drafting guys that like who are gonna like opt out and go to college for four years. So yeah. they get drafted like twice sometimes. You're signing like half those guys, and you don't like that's why some teams take like a, a third round guy in like the like 13th round because they're gonna try to get him away from college with a $2 million signing bonus or something. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's still, I mean, I know, I mean, I guess the NFL's six rounds, right? So 20 for baseball when you have like five farm teams. Yeah. It's kind of nutty how like baseball just has so much everywhere still. Yeah. And like the draft is just 20 rounds. Is there going to be any um, about to be or current NFL players drafted? Because I know that sometimes happens. Do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Or any other like professional athletes? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know of any two-sport guys. I'm sure there are, but I don't know of any notable guys who are like first-round talents in both this year. 
I know it's yeah, but we've seen it. I mean, Murray, yeah. Russell Wilson mm-hmm. recently. So I just didn't know. Brady. Yeah. Then that was like 30 years ago and no one cares. Oh, but baseball cards care because they're making a card of him <laughs> that's coming out and it just got leaked from Michael Rubin's big party. It was on his phone, actually. You Classic. literally can't make a Tom Brady baseball card like 20 it's gonna years. It's going to sell for thousands of dollars, too. Dude. It's not even relevant. It didn't. Ha- People it- are going to buy it, so it's relevant. Yeah, but it doesn't even count. You don't. That's your opinion. Right now, if you go to the baseball store and the and- baseball store, what is the store? <laughs> okay, no, no, let's keep going. Right. <laughs> right now, if you go and buy a pack of sports cards, okay, okay, uh-huh. and you're looking for MLB rookie cards, yeah, you're not gonna pull a Mike Trout unless you open a 2011 box. Unless you open a 2011 box. So why in 2023? It's called a throwback card. I but mean, it never was a car. It never was a but car. It is now. There was never a Tom Brady car. But they're going to have a picture of him in an Expos uniform. I'm going to buy it and burn it. Dude, the car's going to be like $10,000. You're going to really buy that and burn it? If, you, if someone, whoever pulls that car is going to be super hype. No, regardless if you like Brady or not, because you can just cash out. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Use Brady to make it's, money, but... I mean, it's also Michael Rubin with Fanatics, and that he has all the connections to everyone, and he's the guy that's doing all this. I could definitely see Tom Brady playing in a spring training game, though, just to validate this card. It was all fun and games when Will Ferrell did it, but I don't want to see Brady. I would definitely see Brady do it. Yeah, he he did it for, like, 10 teams or something. Yeah, (laughs) like he traveled around and did so many teams. It was, like, in center. It was so funny. If you ever watch clips, Will Ferrell's, I like so if he did it, I feel like Tom Brady can do it. Yeah. He's got nothing to lose. It's not like he's going back to the NFL. So if he busts yeah. his knee, it's like, oh, man, I guess I'm going to have to retire now. Well, I think it's stupid. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I, That's I my take. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have a Barry Bonds card than a Tom Brady baseball card. Just so you know, Ben. Okay. But, yeah, moving on to some – MLB all-star action. You guys, uh, I know the Mets only have Pete Alonso going. I don't know who the Phillies got. Yeah, so both of our teams are only sending one player a piece, which is a little bit of a bummer considering our preseason expectations that our teams would be hot contenders and buying outrageous pieces to add to their teams. And it's quite clearly not that at the moment. I would have never guessed that if you told me one Philly was going to be an all-star this year, I would have never guessed it was going to be Castellanos. He would have been like yeah. number 12 on my list. Agreed. I would have said JT. Yeah, both of us have like really great top two starting pitchers and neither of them. Yeah. <laughs> None of them got in. Yeah, yeah that's definitely crazy. a little disappointing. I mean, hype for Castellanos, right? Like that's because he had a down year last year, but just, I mean, the Phillies are still playing well, so... At the end of the day, as long as we win games, I don't really care as much about the All-Stars. I feel like it's so early in the season, too. Like, it's based off of, like, a few months of action. And there's people now who are going to turn it on that are going to be second-half risers and kind of maybe outshadow some of these All-Stars. Well, and you have – I mean, there's always issues with the fan vote. But you got – like, the Braves have so many guys. And, like, Orlando Garcia should not be a starter. Yeah, it's nice he's doing a decent job. But – I don't know if it's all-star worthy. No. I mean, of course, the Braves, 
sign him for like a two-year eight million dollar contract and he's going yeah but that's why i feel like i can't put so much stock in like how many all-star appearances someone has because i'm like you're just a fan favorite at a certain point like yeah it is weird it feels like it's gotten watered down a little bit as far as like that being an accolade yeah like i feel like that fan vote should only count for so much and it should really mostly just be the players themselves voting yeah. Is there a breakdown of it? Like the NBA really cut back on the fan vote and they only give them a small percentage now? Or is it just yeah, that's good. Oh yeah, why did they get pissed? Because who made it? Do you remember that? Who made it into the game? Like the All-Star game and everyone was like, just having like two, I think pre-COVID. Do you remember what I'm talking about? No. I'm pretty sure this is, like that's why they ended up changing it because someone got in and it was like, what the f- yeah, yeah I, don't know. I didn't mean to dive us down this rabbit hole, but I thought I, I thought something happened with the NBA, and that's why they like cracked down on it because they're like, "This is not going to happen again." Oh, you're talking NBA? I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about. Yeah, no, 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 no. This happened in like the like we were talking about the NBA changing their fan voting, and I think someone got in and they were pissed about it, or maybe other players were pissed off that like the fans voted in someone. Like, they figured out that they could get more power with the vote, so they just started, like, hacking it, basically. Uh, I want to say it's, like, Juan Hernan Gomez or somebody like that, just, like, a dumpster of a player. Like, he could have literally just wheeled in a dumpster and it, been, it would have been the all-star pick. Maybe I'm just making uh, this entire story up in my head. I found a list on the ringer that says the worst, and number one is Kobe <laughs> from his oh. last year. Yeah, that was a bad one. His last oh. year. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. And same with Dirk. They should just make an honorary one where it's like, okay, yeah, this person's retiring at the end of the year. Let's just honor them. Chris Kamen. That my guy, he might be all-time pastiest in the NBA. <laughs> all-time paper white dudes. Easily on there. Dude, Kobe has four of the top ten on this list. <laughs> Damn. All right. The one year I think he missed, the one year he ruptured his Achilles and didn't play the whole year. I think oh. he got in. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of why the NBA changed it. Whenever we find out we're what's But the MLB out. is just straight fans for the starters still. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. All right, but I'm gonna steer us back on track here. We went through MLB draft, MLB All-Stars. Did you guys have anything else you want to touch on strictly about those two before we move on to our first ever after further review hockey segment brought to you by the painter himself, Chase. Yeah, get after a, it. Yeah, just a small touch on the flyers. It's not a big monologue on the nhl draft but it was i did trash them a lot leading into this and i expressed my doubts about the people they hired to run the organization and uh, you know make the right picks but they i clearly underestimated them and they know what they're doing and they showed it on draft night they got a steal at number at pick number seven they picked matvey michkov and if you're unfamiliar his comparisons to current NHL players are um, Nikita Kucherov and Evhani Malkin. And just those two players alone, you know, top 10 players in their own rights. So if he's just even a hair on either of their asses, it's pretty impressive to say the least. The problem why he fell to number seven, though, is because he plays in Russia and he currently has a three year contract. And it's sometimes worrisome with Russian players because they don't always make it out. So that was a guy with the, um, the, Flyers drafted a what a couple years ago, right? Yeah, the goalie. Yeah, he had to do mandatory military time, and uh, he got stuck there because of that. 
it's these things that they do to keep players around. So they'll make them do mandatory military stints or, you know, contracts get in the way. But they obviously felt really confident that they're able to do this and bring them over in three years, which is not a perfect timeline for them. But if it's sooner, that would obviously be better because you're going to be able to secure them. But they had meetings with them twice and one that we knew about before the draft. So the fact that they had two separate meetings off the record means that he pretty much knew that they were going to pick him if he was there. And other teams tried to trade it in and uh, were unsuccessful. So just really impressive stuff that they stuck to their guns, picked the best player. Outside of Bedard, Michkov's probably number two. Um, so that just says a whole lot about this draft, considering the top five players are probably going to be in the NHL right away. Um, obviously, you know, Bedard is. Fantilli, all the guys through the list, you know, they can make the team, make their teams right out of the gate. So pretty impressive for them. Obviously, it comes with a lot of uncertainty with the situation and if he's able to make it. But it was just interesting because I was watching the draft and the way it was unfolding and players were going and then defensemen got in there. And I feel like the Flyers of old at that point with their first round pick saw that a defenseman went off and they would have been like, oh, you know, Michkov's too much of a risk. Let's go to defenseman and waste the first round pick that spot and, you know, pass up an offensive dynamo, which they haven't had in a super long time. So really impressed by the Flyers. I know it's a long-term move, you know, right now, but considering what they've been able to do so far, it's really impressive. And I'm excited for this year. They're going to be a donkey team and not do that well, but just setting themselves up for the future means a lot. So it's a good thing to see from them that there's actually life. And I don't want the people who are owning them to be, you know, tried by the state anymore. Money, Chase. I love it. And you're already getting me more into hockey because we always talk about fires haven't been good in a decade. Them and the Phillies basically just rode the 2010s into COVID with not mm-hmm. much to show for. And to know that they got potentially the second best player in the draft as long as they can get him. I know, but with like the Sixers, they had like Sarge didn't come over. Like some of these guys didn't always come over right away. And so it happens and it can pan out for you. And I really hope this guy can make it over, but I'm hype. I'm hype now. So yeah, I like, I like the little flyer segment, little touch. I like it. Yeah. And it's good because it's a ballsy move. And if it pays off, it's, you know, he's going to win a GM of the year award, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we could have had him and blah, blah. It's like one of those classic Philly team moves where it's like, oh, we, we passed on him and we got whoever. And you just agonize over the fact that he could have just dealt with the situation and got a talented player. And no, it's probably going to work out. I mean, just if you watch his highlights, he's unbelievable. He scores a ton from behind the net. He literally picks up the puck and just throws it in the top as he's skating around. It's unbelievable. He's done it a bunch of times. Uh, so, like I said, outside of Bedard, he's easily the second best player in the draft, and they got him at number seven. So worth every little bit of it for them. Money, nice. I like it. Well, yeah, like thanks it. for the hockey knowledge. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. So yeah, we should that. we should get some more of that here here and there. Yeah. Just little like two minute segments, you know, breaks up the show, yeah. keeps everyone on the toes. I liked it, Chase, and we'll have to feed more of that in there. So let us know when you got more hockey hockey knowledge. Yeah, it's a big time for the hockey season, too. I know it's just ended and the Stanley Cup's over, but it's, you know, the rumor mill and the hot stove, you know, all the action, which I love any type of sport. I love the offseason type parts where big moves are going to be happening. And it's a big time for the NHL because their cap's inflating and teams are getting more creative with how to bring in talent. And these expansion teams are adding a new layer. So, you know, for the Flyers, we're kind of jumping in at a weird time. But overall, I feel like hockey, you know, 
is definitely a little bit more interesting than I've probably given it more time in the last few years. But anytime I've sat down to watch a game, Ben, I, you know, you remember that like Predators game we saw that was like yeah. insane the last few minutes going into overtime, just a random game on like a winter day, you know, yeah, type stuff. But it was like less, it was like a second, two seconds maybe where they scored a game tying goal. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. And then wanted overtime just yeah. like, crazy and last thing i know you guys have been wanting to fit some ufc in here the last couple of shows if you guys want to quickly talk about the upcoming stretch that's coming up over these next few months i know 290 291 and 292 are all going to be pretty beefy cards and i feel like it'd be a a nice nice segment way to to end the show yeah no we can uh briefly talk about ufc um Specifically, 290 is coming up this this weekend. And at the top, we have two title fights. We got Volkanovski and Rodriguez, and then Moreno and Pantoja, not to mention Whitaker and Duplessis down at the uh, at the middleweight. So some big fights and um, exciting UFC 290. And it, we're getting into the stretch of just some really good cards. Last We've had a few fight nights in a row now, um, and now it's really when the UFC is going to turn it on and produce some some great uh great events yeah this is uh i don't know if this is their fight week or if next week is but it's their big vegas international week where they have uh you know events all so they try to obviously put together the best card yeah possibly of the year yeah Yeah, so you know obviously like we said two title fights falconowski gaia rodriguez i mean that's going to be a duel between two crafty people in the octagon and moreno and pantosia you know they're both going to get after it too so yeah. You know, they're they're leaning on their guys who they know are gonna put out action in the yeah, top. And you got you got a guy like Whitaker who I mean he has still he has he still hasn't lost to anyone outside out of uh, outside of Adesanya since 2014, which is yeah. crazy. And he's just you can always count on him to you know put it together in the octagon. Right. And he had to go through three wars against Yoel Romero. So that's essentially like 12 other fights. Yeah. In those three, you know. He's just yeah. fighting a cinder block. Yeah, and I mean, you got Dan Hooker down there, who we've talked about before. Bo Nickel now fighting a different mm-hmm. opponent. Yeah, Jalen Turner, Dan Hooker is interesting because of obviously the size and length of Jalen Turner. And Dan Hooker can just grind out stuff. You know, he can take a beating, but then unleash it yeah. if you catch him. If you know, if you start to fall asleep against them. I'm interested. It's kind of a weird fight, but I'm kind of interested in that Robbie Lawler Nico Price fight. It's like yeah. Robbie Lawler's last win is against Nick Diaz, or uh, yeah, Nick Diaz, and then Nico Price. He last, um, I think he last beat Alex Charles, Alex Cowboy Oliveira. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just like it's both those guys are kind of you know spinning out a little bit, but it's just an interesting one. Yeah, I would say they're definitely just names at this point. I also feel like every time Nico Price fights, he gets his fight, his, you know, the, uh, the decisions overturned because he always fails a drug test or something. I feel like that's happened like two or three times. Yeah, speaking of drug tests, sure once. is McGregor in the USADA pool yet? Or is that fight going to happen? Yeah, I don't know because they're trucking on the ultimate fighter. Yeah. Usually you fight at the end of that show. Yeah, it's Owen six and not even in the USADA pool, so I don't well, know what's going on. It's supposed to be by the end of the year, and I think you got to be in there, the USADA pool, for six months, and that's yeah. six months is here. I guess at the end of the month, yeah. Yeah. Or before. I don't so know. We'll, we'll see. And, I mean, the USC, there's some weird storylines outside of, like, 
290 you also have like dana white and like other people like talking about this ufc 300 <laughs> fight between elon musk and, and zuckerberg. Uh, zuckerberg which is just yeah. <laughs> so weird to me i know zuckerberg actually does train mma I think Elon would get wrecked. Yeah, he would. I feel like Zuckerberg would just go right to the ground and try to choke him out. You see, they wanted to do it at the Coliseum in Rome. Okay, that's a little much. But if I also had a billion dollars, that's probably where I'd suggest it to I was going to say, I mean, Italy, coming from, like, how hard they got hit in COVID, if Elon's like, here's $3 billion, can we do it at the yeah. Coliseum? Are they really going to say no? I wonder if Dana was, like, Apex Center first, <laughs> and then they counted with the Coliseum, and he was like... All right, we're on two different <laughs> levels here. Yeah, Kevin Lee, like he was like, it's kind of stupid that I'm fighting in the in the apex. Like, why are we still doing this? The pandemic's yeah. over, which it's kind of true. Like, why are they still fighting the apex with no fans on these UFC fight nights? Yeah, they don't need to do that I did love how he said that, and then got finished in the first oh, yeah, round. Yeah, got destroyed. But in like, the first like 35 seconds, he was out, and I was like, welcome back to the apex. But just some weird storylines outside of like the cards themselves yeah i kind of feel like dana white though is just for the publicity that i was just gonna ride it out sure yeah no keep it going because whether they fight it doesn't matter to him because people are going to keep talking about it and especially yeah. ufc 300 that's 10 events from this weekend yeah so, that's that's next it's gonna be next year sometime yeah so he's trying to cook this for that long like normally if dana white doesn't want to talk about it, he's gonna tell you to leave it and yeah. shut it down but I mean, they do try to have like they're gonna ha try to have like humongous cards at those like big milestones. Like two hundred, oh, yeah. Like UFC two hundred was an absolute monster of a card. Mm -hmm. I don't even, I don't remember what one hundred was, but it's crazy. They're already almost at three hundred. Like I feel like I I got into UFC late, and I can finally be like, wow, I watched a hundred pay per views. Yeah, I got in later than you because of you. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind yeah, of crazy. What makes it be is that are those all the pay per view fights? Yeah, what, yeah. So anytime they have a pay per view um, mm -hmm. fight night, it's an it's numbered. Yeah, they, like all those pay per views for, are. What's up? Sorry. Like all the pay per views are, and then all the fight nights are different. So like, like the start, the start of the year that I think they started the year with USC two eighty three. So I would say they average like twelve. Yeah, I was gonna say 15, yeah, twelve or fifteen like numbers. So like yeah. almost like once a month kind of deal. Yeah, at least I feel like yeah. What's gonna happen when they get to like? Uh, I guess they're just not worried about that. No, they're not really thinking about that. No, they can honestly change it at that point. We might get hit by an asteroid at that point. I don't know, matters. Yeah, dinosaurs might be back. Yeah, I'm gonna be fighting Click for this rock belt. Elon Musk gonna have AI take over everyone probably. Oh yeah, and then watch AI bots fight. That's how e that's how uh, Zuckerberg and Elon are gonna fight. They're actually gonna be like, we we're gonna have robots fight last minute. Maybe, maybe that's the UFC three hundred. Maybe that's their master plan is to get everyone watching and do one of those yeah. like crazy things where they just take control and have robots fight in the Coliseum. That'd be nuts. Yeah, that would be battle actual like robot lions too. Oh my gosh! Just robot everything in there um yeah just just an exciting fight coming up and um, i don't think i don't have a pick so we'll have to i'll have to get a pick at some point but still uh still no pick for this week i'm just gonna enjoy the fights well yeah and on that note i think uh i think we're gonna wrap this one up we uh touched on some some pretty interesting topics got some different stuff in here with hockey ufc learning about some some new mlb players so 
pretty uh pretty interesting podcast overall again don't forget to vote on afr show pod on instagram and on spotify and you know we're gonna be back here next week do it again we got our third base our dh and we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week so long everyone hope you enjoyed the july 4th weekends peace